crazy. Absolute insanity, really. Uh, episode 176. Um, the tweet is out so everyone knows we're here. Uh, let's hope we get some people in to chat about it. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> the hell was that? <laughs> uh, which, did we finish ninth place in the Premier League? Yes. Yes, I think we did. Uh, ninth. Just look at the sides that finished. It, it does. The table doesn't really make sense, does it? In, in all, we've got absolutely no business being at that place. Yet we are, and it's deserved. And after, remember that run? Was it? Was it three months? How many months was it where we didn't? We couldn't win a game. Yeah. What, January, January to March. Yeah. yeah. How did you finish ninth? I just... You'll forget forget the the run of draws at the end of last year too, um, where we we actually had two spells where we just couldn't buy a win. So, um, yeah, it's mental even to see us that high. Like I I said in the chat, it's just vertigo at this point. I I don't know what to do with myself. Most points, highest finish, most wins, fewest defeats, most goals, fewest conceded, most away wins, successive home wins against Manchester United and West Ham, seven goals scored. Unbelievable. Credit to Andy Naylor. He gets very upset if he doesn't get credit for things that have been spread on social media. Uh, So don't want him to get upset with me there. Uh, Yeah, mental. Um, Mental. Uh, The L Dude Brothers and Scooch in the chat. Unbelievable. Uh, just just read the... Um, um, everyone's probably looked at the table about 400 times since the final whistle. <laughs> Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, Man U. No real surprises there, right? There's, there's your standard six. West Ham, Leicester, Brighton and Hove Albion. West Ham and Leicester, by the way, both reached, what, semi semi-finals of, of respective European competitions a matter of two weeks ago? Insane. Insane. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to comprehend it right now. And just like, like you said, I keep staring at it and going, ah, nine more points and we could have had European football. But like, yeah. that's, that's just that. But yeah, it's incredible. Like, Can I be the only one to mourn the loss of the draw record that we were chasing at one point there? Rip. <laughs> rip. Uh, Enoch on the door in the chat. Uh, there's a lot of people in the chat and everybody's uh, general consensus is holy shit we got 51 points and finished in ninth place um, absolutely 100 uh, percent 25 years since Hereford and we do this it's like poetry in motion yep I was really hoping we were gonna get uh, a kit reveal this week uh, with the because I feel like we've done that a lot with the new home kit at the end of every season lately um rumors are that we're leaving nike uh, so maybe that's why they didn't um enoch on the door makes the transfer window even more vital could attract some more players now yeah i, I was thinking that too and it's it's stupid isn't it because if you finish 13th and you finish ninth like common sense if you look at the table there was nothing between them but for a lot of players that are looking at us coming in they don't care about that it's just the number in the column uh and it's silly that it should be that, that basic, but for a lot of these players, it is. They've got their own thing to worry about in the Bundesliga or La Liga or Belgium or wherever. Um, it's monumental, isn't it? The difference between 9th and 13th. I believe that is uh, just over one Dennis Undav 
um, in prize money <laughs> that we that we've just earned. Different. I was about to say financially, there's such a contrast between those those things, and we'll, we'll go into a, a tale of two halves. But you know, that's the thing is, it's what six or seven million pounds in between a couple of points, and yeah, it, it's crazy. And I don't I don't think. Um, a lot of time will be spent looking at that table over the summer um, until it resets. I'm, I'm sure. We're, I mean, I think we've got the fifteenth wage bill in the Premier League, right? I believe um, it's sixteenth this year. We were fifteenth last year. Someone came up and spent a bunch. I think. I'm looking now. I mean, obviously Brentford are paying about paying about fifty quid to everyone, but 50, <laughs> it's it's. But let's not forget too the difference between what clubs spend at that level and then what you're spending to break into that top 10 is is stratospheric it's it's a massive massive difference of tens of millions um i I just don't know how to really properly digest what that that finish is i'm i'm now i I don't i I feel discomforted by it purely because i'm now like well now everyone's going to want potter everyone's going to want every one of the plat i don't it's it's a we, and we won this. We smashed West Ham. Trossard wasn't even in the team. Like just Basuma was pulled off after forty five minutes because he wasn't playing very well. We had to change to four, five at the back. Just what 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 a performance today! But what just a performance on the whole, amazing. We should probably actually talk about the game. But I'm also still shocked by <laughs> probably everyone watching that Man City and Liverpool games at the end too, and the fact that it was extra funny that Liverpool still didn't win. Because God, we'd never heard the end of it if they'd have been in a chance with the quad. They still didn't win, but they managed to get Wolves' goal difference down. Perfect. Thank you for that, Liverpool. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, the the chat Enoch on the door, Zamora and Murray uh, were at the stadium today filming something, uh, so they could be going after a retro-looking kit. Um, I have my eye firmly on that Santex kit from twenty-five years ago. Um, I really think that they're going to do something along those lines. They've done it already with the 83 and the all blue a couple of years ago. Um, wouldn't be all surprised if we see that red badge coming out at the end of this season into next. Uh, that's, that's my, that's my guess at it. Um, we may have American express in red instead of whatever color they decide to throw on there. That's neutral. Um, I don't mind what the kit looks like. I just don't want it to look as long as it's not Puma that are making it. If it looks like that heinous thing that like Man City and the others wear, and it's just got Brighton and Hove Albion in text along the front, <laughs> yeah, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. So it, it goes doesn't from side fit. to side. Yeah, they can't do it. Yeah, because it's diagonal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely horrific. Uh, yeah, that not enough has been said. You know, they that was said a lot at the beginning of the season how awful those kits were, but everyone kind of forgot as it went on. They were they were an abomination. Uh, of a kit and Puma should be absolutely ashamed of themselves they've they've been quite good before that and that was just horrific Um, let's talk about the game uh, because we've already waxed lyrical for 7 minutes and 30 seconds about everything else Um, All right, going into the game one change Uh, Trossard out with a minor calf injury uh, as he is prone to do it feels like he's always you know, one of those players that's kind of a bit susceptible to those kind of injuries. So he was not able to make an appearance today, not even on the bench. Mwepu came back onto the bench, as confirmed from Potter's press conference a couple of days ago. Uh, and Webster logically fills the void. Um, so no changes other than Webster. 
Uh, Kukurea then came out into that kind of wing-back role, uh, fully wing-back role, no left centre-back for him. Uh, and Solly March went out to the right-hand side. Uh, Pascal Gross and McAllister very high up the pitch, right behind Welbeck, as has been kind of customary lately. And then that midfield duo, Caicedo and, and Bissouma. Um, how were we feeling about that lineup? I'll quickly say, obviously, with Trossard not being in the team, there's only so much you can do, right? You look at the bench and, and you're not really making massive changes unless you want to you want to start Lamptey. Um, so I, I thought it was it's what you wanted to see. The four at the back was a little bit of a surprise, I think, wasn't it? Um, and I don't think necessarily for the for the believers of the four in the back formation, maybe like myself, it wasn't a particularly like stunning performance in the, the first forty five. But let's give some credit to the fact that uh, I think even the commentary did a good job of talking about this. That I don't think West Ham expected us to come out in that setup either, um, and it changed the way that they were able to distribute the ball out a little bit. It made us a little bit more solidified. Um, I mean, for all the talk of, of Jared Bowen being the next England saviour didn't see a lot of him so something worked there yeah yeah I think when I when I looked at it just in the first instance you know there's there's not too much really to, to moan about but yeah like like you said going into that back four um they I don't think yeah you're right they didn't expect that and I think they promptly changed it after 10 minutes or so of us creating some chances I think that first 10 minutes it's a far cry from what we normally say when we start quite slow um I thought we were very good at the start and it's probably due to the unexpectation that we, we shouldn't have come out like that or I wasn't expected to. So, um, But after that, they did change a few things and it sort of shifted their way in towards, I guess, the second second half of the first half um, where they sort of got into the game a little bit more. There was the first 10 minutes, there was nerves there because God, I, I felt like every pass was misplaced. Like every player was guilty of just giving the ball away. Casado gave a really bad one away and uh, it was messy. But then he did have a pretty big chance in the, in the f- in seventh minute, I think, something like that. But yeah, it was a bit of a scrappy affair for the first 10 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, whole half was one to forget, really, for the Albion, wasn't it, really? Uh, last game at the Amex for the season, four wins all season, uh, albeit that last one was an absolute blinder uh, and one that many will remember for many a year to come. Um, that first half, uh, taking a look at the the overarching stats, uh, we lost a possession battle, uh, not great pass success rate, although it was a lot better than uh, last week's that we were talking about when we were, just couldn't thread anything together. Uh, we had five shots in that first half, um, and it's relevant uh, for the next one, one on target. Uh, we lost the corner battle. Uh, we were dispossessed more. We generally were just outfought to every second ball, really, uh, in that first half, and it showed. Um, thought they were very lucky, though, to get that goal uh, when they did. Um, Antonio, I like him as a player. I think he's obviously a talented kid, fella. Not even a kid, is he? He's old now. But, yeah, was he uh, 30? Yeah, uh, <laughs> good player. Um, big, strong, baby Akin Fenwa. But clear foul. Was it not on Lewis Dunk? Lewis Dunk midair, the arm comes out pretty clear, just push while he's in the middle of the middle of his jump so he's totally uncontrolled uh which then allowed the ball to fall to him uh superb finish nonetheless absolute rocket um but i'm really shocked uh that, that var didn't take a deeper look at it um although the ref was kevin friend today which doesn't shock me much in hindsight yeah it sort of definitely doesn't 
live by his name to us, does he? Uh, (laughs) There was, Naylor was tweeting about this as he does, but it doesn't really matter to me whether you think it was a stonewall, definitely a penalty or definitely not. The fact it was, it was relatively ambiguous. The arm comes out. He's a strong guy. Dunk was in the air. Dunk goes over. To me, if there's any decision where it feels debatable and um, there's some question marks around it, what I don't like is VAR doesn't get the ref to take a look. Because if the ref takes a look, we know what it's like. Everyone cheers, don't they? Like, oh, here we go. The decision's going to be reversed. We're either getting a penalty or the goal's being disallowed. That has to go away. And let's not get bogged down in the mire of VAR because this is not the time for it. But like... If, if we didn't come out in the second half and be completely different side, win this game 3-1, this is difference of millions to, to the club. It's us finishing 13th versus us finishing 9th. And I don't like that these silly decisions hinge on some guy sitting far away looking at it and not even having the ref to have his own proper opinion as a second glance. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think it is it is a push. It's it's more of a case of where where is that line of, you know, does that constitute as a, a categorical foul or not? And that's the grey area that the ref needs a second look at. And I, I think you're you're spot on and we will close this fairly quickly. But you're right in that when as soon as the ref goes to see it, we know it's being reversed, right? And the ref doesn't have the nads to go and say, actually, no, my original thing should stand. So VAR needs to reset that and say you can have a look and still stick by your decision. That's absolutely fine. But it's just that peer pressure and that mentality now where that ref has to then give it if they go over there. Um, that's that's what needs to change. Josh, I don't know what you think about this, but I do. before we move on from it, I do want to say, though, that outside of a fairly forgettable half for us, I thought Solly March had a, really, a couple of nice, really uh, nice runs. There was one in particular where it, I thought it, was, it looked like Trossard was playing when he, he put a ball in, he ran around for 10 minutes and eventually I think it went to Kukureya and the, the shot wasn't what you'd hope, but he's quietly been really a really good squad player this year. He really, uh, he, he, he always has been though, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, I mean, he was the guy, right. That scored the winner against Wigan that got us up. Uh, and he's continued to, be this utility player that that has value for for the entire time. Um, he's what twenty seven now, I think, um, and he's just continuing to show what he's got at this level. Um, and he's came all the way up, right? Like from what League One at least. Um, I'm not sure how many more years he's got on his contract, um, but I would be I would be surprised if he ever left. I can runs see until him. 2024 right now. Okay, I I can see him and Dunk both retiring at the Albion. Um, and as of right now, who on earth would want to see Solly March go anywhere else with with what he provides to us as and when needed? Um, I mean, I, I said it last last year. Uh, yeah, last year because the pre Kukure era. Um, hard to remember those dire days. Uh, but before Solly March's injury around Christmas ish, he was he was on track for being my player of the season. He was unbelievable at that left wing back role. Uh, before he got hurt and again i mean it's tough to hold a candle to, to kukurea uh, but he's he's shown himself to be an unbelievable asset and it's just unreal um var really quickly uh, not a single english var group has been picked to go to qatar um so if that says anything uh i think it says everything really can't take the heat can they <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
uh, it's not good. Uh, really not good. Um, on to the second half. Uh, substitution at halftime. Basuma off. Mope on. Uh, a player that we thought would not be playing in the stripes again this year. Uh, surprise, he's on at <laughs> halftime. Um, and possibly uh, Basuma's last appearance in those same stripes today. Um, not the last 45 minutes of action that he would have probably wanted to have had. Uh, just very slow, generally. Uh, not on it. Um, and within about four minutes of the, uh, the, the restart, we came out firing on all cylinders. Holy shit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what was said in that dressing room, um, but put a masterclass again, I think, um, because it was an absolute murder from then going forward. Uh, and Veltman, uh, as Pierre said in the chat, he was very pleased for him. I think everyone has to be. Uh, finally gets a goal because he's been very close uh, a few times this year already um, and fires us back level uh, with, with, with West Ham. Um, and great goal, great layoff by Solly March. There's there's a lot that happened in that space of, of half time and a lot of narratives there as you, as you alluded to, the Basuma and Mope switch has as you say was like these were the two players. If if I had to scan the squad and look down and say who are the two players most likely to leave this club this summer, it's those two, and it was interesting that it was uh, one for the other. Um, I liked the switch because obviously Basuma wasn't doing much. We had to do a tactical switch. And it felt like a game that needed your club shithouse on. And we brought him on and he did what he does best. That, that's what he did. He got a yellow card pretty quickly, didn't he? Um, he was riling up the West Ham fans. He was a, a decent part of some of our nice sort of, uh, I guess, plays that we were constructing towards the the, the final third of the pitch. Um, great goal. I can't say enough good stuff about Veltman. And, and it's probably already been said before, but... Even if we hadn't have scored those other two goals, I think I messaged you guys in the chat. Based on what Joel Veltman cost and the value of that goal that would have put us back in the top 10, depending on results, so that position of about position change of about three, he's paid for his fee multiple times over just with that one that one goal. Amazing job from him. He's so good, isn't he? Just, I think, you know, he... We were looking at, you know, Kukurei obviously has set the bar for this year, but he's he's a second in terms of player of the season. He's in that conversation because he's been so dependable, so reliant, like reliable. Um, and then chips in with a goal today is the very least he deserved for this season as well. Um, so you saw in the first half when we came out with that back four, Antonio deliberately went for, for Veltman. The commentary rightly pointed it out that, Antonio was sort of sitting on that left side on Veltman. And aside from a rocket that has dubious claims of a foul against it, um, you know, Veltman done really well to, to pocket him today and just feed him scraps. So, um, yeah, really good. And when it comes to more pay, credit where credit's due, he came on and he did make a difference with the interlinking with Welbeck and, and pushed himself about a bit, made himself a nuisance. Um, and yeah, give some to the West Ham fans as well to boot. I mean, it's what more can you ask for from him? Yeah, gets booked and then taunts the crowd. Uh, it's about as peak Neomorphe as you're ever going to get, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it was superb. Um, hitting some people in the chat, uh, just disagrees, thinks uh, Neil did very well off the bench today. Um, Eddie and Kessier on a free needs to happen right now. I'll chip in for the cab down the M23. 
I have a sneaky feeling that's almost a formality, uh, Enoch. I really do think we're going to go for him. I think we may well have had that conversation since January. Um, we've been in that rumour mill for him for so long that I wouldn't be shocked at all if you hear him signing a deal. Um, similar to the Welbeck stuff, I feel like we'd heard Welbeck to Brighton for like eight months before it actually happened. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Brighton doing the same thing there. Uh, only difference is he's scored a couple of goals lately that may have well upped his uh, upped his interest. Uh, so I'm not 100% sure on it. Uh, don't die Houdini. Uh, can we all agree on something, Adam, uh, to you here? Trossard, player of the season? <laughs> no. No, you're never going to get me to say that. I, as we've discussed before, Trossard is uh, probably capable of the highest highs of any other player at our club. And there was a run of about three, four games where I think he grabbed his team by the scruff of the neck and um, was fantastic. There were uh, more games than that this year where he's been anonymous. And that's just him, isn't it? We've, we've, we've had that conversation numerous times before. He does not come close to Kugreya this season for me. I don't even know if he's in my top two or three because I'd even probably put someone like Veltman and then Gross's renaissance in the second half of this year as well has been astounding. I thought, I think Welbeck's been fantastic. Trossard's in and around there because of what he's done, but yeah, he's, he's not close to one for me. And what I just want to go back to one quick thing. The striker in Ketia, we've got Undav coming. I know we're going to talk about transfers because that's probably what the season's been over about two seconds and everyone wants to know what transfers are. Just be careful wishing for wholesale changes. Like, look back on the games that rounded out this season, the final seven games. We scored two against Arsenal and one. We scored one against Spurs and one. Delete the Man City game. Scored two against Southampton, three against Wolves, four against Man U, a goal against Leeds and three against West Ham. Are you that desperate for a striker? Because the team can score. They've just proven it. They can score plenty of goals and we've just got Indev kind of potentially Matoma we had a great news this last week where we've got one-year renewal deals with Welbeck, with, as of the last few minutes, Potter said Gross is about to be signed for another year. It's all pretty much done and dusted. Trossard's got a one-year option. I'm not that desperate, honestly. You're then, you're then looking at disrupting the whole team as well, aren't you, in, in bringing through people that maybe you just don't need. So it is it is crazy how uh, a a half a season changes your perspective where you're, you're crying out for a striker where you're making so many chances and not putting them away. Uh, Welbeck is a case in point, right? The, the sitter that he missed at 2-1. I mean, thankfully he scored another one, but you know, he, he arguably scored the harder chance and that's yeah, probably, probably the tale of the season to be fair, where we, we score the hardest chances and where you have <laughs> some time and where you should score, we don't. Um, but yeah, I think I agree with you. Making too many changes to a squad that just finished ninth in the Premier League. Um, you know, what more I, do you want realistically at the yeah, moment? Yeah, I, and everyone loves progression, right? And, and we talked the last four seasons or so that you know we we need to start making tangible movements up the table. Here you go, and and that's why everyone that's tuning in and, and us three sitting here are absolutely buzzing because there there is suddenly tangible results and tangible progression that we can now build upon um the changes between 13th and 9th and being 16th and 9th um i think we, we saw it in the chat i'm sorry who, who said it but you can attract better players by being in that top half now and by saying look how close we were seven eight points away from the europa conference league and that's where we want to be in and around and this summer is going to be a lot and i think we josh said it last week on the pod and um, 
there's going to be a lot of crying out for you know bigger and better players. But that cohesive team that works together so well and got us to ninth deserves a lot of credit. You don't want to change that too much. Yeah, uh, as Alex also says in the chat, once again, this transfer window is about keeping players. Uh, and that's pretty much as succinctly put as you can get. Um, we've just finished ninth. Uh, as Adam said, what more can you want? Well, we, we want to build on it, right? And if we're going to build on it, we want to keep our best players. Um, Basuma, maybe not uh, at this point, but the rest of them, your Sanchez's, your Kukureas, uh, that are undoubtedly going to get some attractive opp- opportunities in there. Uh, at least feelers being put out for both of them. Um, Graham Potter, of all people, uh, will not be uh, immune to that interest as well. Um, that you know, they're they're the they're the key pieces, right? You need to keep them. Um, Caicedo isn't going to get enough traction just yet. He's too, you know, he's not been in the lineup for long enough. Lamptey has faded away a little bit this season with the injury stuff that it will be okay. But those two names, the Sanchez, the Cucurea, and then obviously the manager, um, your your concern now is keeping those people uh, and renewing those those players with those one year left. Uh, your McAllisters, for example, um, and, and making sure you're keeping your best players. Um, in terms of the, the, in terms of the, would rather grab one or two small pieces and break the band up. Um, I think that's exactly what we're going to look to do. Um, we've already talked about it last, last week. Uh, and next week, uh, for a couple of people, I've already told you in the chat, next week is our postseason review. Next week will be like intense transfer stuff in terms of who we want to keep, who we don't mind going, who we'd have an eye on. All that stuff will be next week. Promise. Uh, this week we are 25 minutes in and we still have to cover two goals against West Ham. Uh, so I promise they're coming, uh, but just not quite today as in depth as you would probably like. Um, second half overall, uh, dominated possession. We had 13 shots in that second half uh, compared to five uh, in the previous half. Uh, pass success rate, not much different, but a lot better than theirs. They fell off big time. Um, and then just about beat them in every in every stat you could ask for uh, going forward. Total overhaul. Um, and the, the goals came after two changes that seemed to just knock the gas out of uh, West Ham heavily. Uh, Lamptey on, March off, Caicedo off, uh, Mwepu on. Um, and shortly after that, Pascal Gross, uh, as you say, Adam, about to sign a new one-year deal, absolutely laces uh, a goal into that top corner. Um, and I don't think there's anyone you could be happier for uh, than, than Pascal Gross to score that goal today. Uh, I think our three goal scorers today are the three, like the, the most sort of, I don't know if you want to think about like potentially nostalgic goal scorers for the season. Just like, it's so nice that each of those, those guys scored. Um, what I hit as well. We know he's capable of that. It was better than his attempt in the first half or at the start of the second half where it was sort of like a he didn't know whether it was a cross or a shot and nor did anyone else. Um, but just just fantastic play. I also love the fact this is the, the march, the Lamptey switch for March is exactly what we want. Like those players are capable of going very quickly up and down the pitch, but you kind of need to spell one for the other a little bit. And by making that change around the time it was made, you sort of get the best out of both of them because Lamptey put a really nice ball in at one point as well. That's the flexibility that we have with some of the players here rather than just completely relying on Paul Lamptey to try and run up the pitch for 90 minutes, which we've seen he just can't, can't do at the moment. Technically unbelievable. You, you, you're talking about, 
gross and, and his abilities to create chances, but also just pull that out of his locker. Um, he's he's on a 180 swivel and puts it in the top bins. Um, yeah, at the least he deserved as well. I mean, we, we sung his praises last week. Um, we'll continue to do so, um, especially in this Premier League era of, of Brighton. Uh, he's unreal, like a great servant. And testament to, to what he can and can't do but that that goal is immense we, we ate crow a little bit last week when we, or the week before multiple weeks when gross has been playing very well and we said we look back on what we said earlier in the season and uh, we we called Gross's career and his the downturn a little too early i think like a lot of people did but again we said this before but he was being played technically out of position for a lot of earlier on in the season due to necessity he was playing right back he was playing central defense uh, he's playing right now in positions and roles where he can excel and he's not being asked to do some things that he is not good at now you're seeing the player that you saw two three years ago like there was a period of time when gross was the player people looked at, at this club three years ago they go oh pascal rose probably brighton's best player he's playing like it right now yep uh i want to say uh, that after that goal, it was a backs to the wall, like great win at the Amex. Uh, but it wasn't. We just piled on the pressure after going 2-1 up. Uh, and West Ham, despite the triple substitution, just totally collapsed. Um, they just gave up. It felt like they just had had enough at that point. Um, the goal had been coming. Uh, we scored it and we just hammered them for the final 10 minutes. Um, and uh, I believe it was about 85 minutes in, uh, picture-perfect header, Lamptey to Welbeck straight at the keeper. Should have gone anywhere else and it's probably 3-1. Um, but he was able to redeem himself six minutes later. Pascal Gross, again, on the uh, on the goal contribution list with a great corner in, right into the middle. Uh, and Danny Welbeck, beautiful goal, beautiful header. Where was that last week and this week? Uh, two other opportunities, Danny. Um, we wish we wish you'd be a little bit more consistent, mate. But 3-1, um, Amex loving life, Albion loving life, ninth place. Um, and what ended up being a pretty comfortable day at the office after a dreadful first half. I, it was just completely different completely different perspective in the second half I think we were all I mean do you remember cast your mind back about an hour ago remember how we were all feeling at the end of that first half it just felt like oh god so everything went against us in the space of about 90 seconds I think Palace scored um, someone else scored we conceded it didn't look like we were doing a damn thing and we you were just looking down and thinking we were all preparing to how do we talk about coming so close to a top 10 finish and instead finishing kind of slightly what would feel at that point a a disappointing 13th place and god what a what a massive change um great for Welbeck he had a chance well multiple chances as you say not only was there header which was guilt edged he had the other one where he had some great play up the left hand side and he tried to he didn't want to pass to Mope he tried to just sort of curl a little right footed shot into the fight it was a tight angle and he couldn't do it um I think you probably get two out of Vendav next season for that. Um, but still, for what you would expect out of if we asked ourselves, what's your best hope out of Danny Welbeck this year? I think you, you've you've seen it. I think you've seen it. He's been fantastic when he's not been injured, which pretty much sums up Danny Welbeck, doesn't it? Yeah, 
I, I'm glad he's also staying for another year as well because he, he does bring that to the table. Um, we, we spoke just bringing other people into the game and other players into the game and, and what he does. Um, and his link-up play with with Morpay today as well was was really good. Um, you know, that's that's what we were looking to do and that change really sort of made it uh, and enabled us to have what, 13 shots in, in 45 minutes of football. You know, that that's the, the calibre of performance that second half gave us. Um, I'm just glad we were able to turn it around, like you said. Uh, and I'll eat humble pie. And I thought, you know, at the half at the half time, I was like, we're not in this at all. Um, so clearly some hairdryer treatment or or an arm around the shoulder at half time has, has enabled that team to come out and pretty much dominate for 45 minutes. It's, um, yeah, night and day. Yeah, agreed. Um, probably more an arm around the shoulder uh, than, than than air dryer feels a bit more Grand Potter esque, doesn't it? Um, maybe they maybe you just slap the poster, believe, um, and and sent them back out there. Uh, talk about some players more in depth if you would like to. Uh, let's see. Um, anybody you'd like to talk about today in specific? I mean, I, I mentioned March earlier. Uh, I thought he was really good for the time that he was on the pitch. Um, we we talked about Welbeck assist a goal, some great link up play. Yes, he squandered some chances. Um, I think this was one of those games where there wasn't necessarily a quote unquote outstanding influence. Where you're like, well, that guy won us the game. And to me, that's the best situation to be in. Because you could look around at all of these players and it, it wasn't Kukurea that had to win the game from us for us. It wasn't Basuma, quite the opposite in some ways. It wasn't Caicedo. None of these players played to the level they're capable, yet we won 3-1 against West Ham. And that's that's the beauty of it. Uh, and I, I was I will say quickly that I was really impressed with Webster's return after after the injury. A couple of really important challenges, looked solid at the back fantastic in the air in the first half he cleared a couple off the line in quick succession um <laughs> i know this is silly to say when you're when you just finished ninth we have a good team and there's some players here that uh, are injured not able to start i don't think anyone would necessarily if we had every player available to us looked at this team and said this is your best best 11 that you can have but even so pretty good really good all round yeah i think Caicedo, you know, a, a dodgy first 10 minutes that everyone had, I thought, again, just for, for the age that he is and his influence in that midfield. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to keep singing his praises, hopefully, um, for, for years to come. But that guy has come in in the last seven, eight games and has just made that position his own, um, almost to the point where, you know, who who do you bring in instead? Um, and then second half, McAllister sort of, brought back a little bit into that midfield and was able to control a bit more as well. I was I was very happy with what he was doing there. Again, listen to last week if you want to understand where McAllister plays because we don't either. Um, but just it with him controlling that sort of deep midfield in that second half allowed everyone else to push up. Um, he's just so good technically and able to move the ball forward. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit of an unsung hero as well, but... All in all, I completely agree. There's no outstanding performer here. It's just a great second-half team performance that allowed us to just dominate a team that is playing European football next year. And played European football this year too. And like Adam said, got very far in that competition. Um, Thankfully, because maybe a little couple of tired legs out there at the second half today. Definitely. There definitely was. Uh, Adam Webster, 
um, finally comes back. I think it was maybe Brian Owen that talked about how much of a stop-start season he'd had. And it, it has been, right? He's barely been able to get his foot in the door because every time he gets in, he gets hurt. Um, nothing quite like your team trusting you implicitly, though, right? 89 touches today. That was uh, 13 more than any other player on the pitch. Um, with that flex player being Kukurea and then Gross, uh, the majority of the team didn't have anything more than 66 uh, and, and Webster with 89. So uh, never a bad way uh, to end your season, finally getting that game after coming back from injury and uh, basically being the guy uh, in every build-up that you would want to start, uh, 89 touches of the ball. Um, he was busy for his last game of the season. Uh, I thought he was brilliant as well. There was one particular moment where... Uh, he had lost track of the ball um, and just that small burst of, of speed was able to catch up and then hook the ball away and then continue to rebuild the entire play. Um, and that was about midway through the second half, I think, um, and not long before our second. Um, and that entire play is just superb. Like that's that's something that Webster was not capable of doing a year and a half ago. Um, it's that extra bit of, I don't know, Tactical, tactical now, so I'm not sure, but he's he was excellent. Uh, let's not forget before his injury, everyone was there was decent rumours that he should be due for an England call up, um, because he's better than all the other options. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, he's 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 a good player. He's a very good player, and hopefully he can stay fit. Uh, I think that's what when we talk about transfers in more detail, more depth. Um, I don't think this team is necessarily. In, in need of, uh, as we've said, a ton of new starters at all. What we are in need of is depth to this team. Um, and this is the struggle for all teams that, oh, it's hard to say, we can't say this now, all teams in the bottom half. We're not a bottom half team anymore. Get used to saying that. Uh, yeah, how do we even frame that now? For all teams outside the top six, you, you need to be focused on on having more depth in the team. And I think that's what we're going to need. We, we, we're going to need a better bench next year to go into next year and and repeat this or even you know touching word here do do better than what we've done if that's even possible to think about yeah i think that's again with with the chat sort of saying it's, it's all about keeping players and and building on that one or two building blocks to enable us to do this again and that that's the squad depth and being able to rotate and keep people fresh and um, i think just back to the point where west ham have played 50 52 games this season and um, they look very very tired and something you need to think about and, and combat against um unfortunately we're not in in europe to have that problem but you know there, there are still people that do have injuries and and are going to be out for a period of time so it's how do you how do you get the solid marches for your lampties where where do you get your veltmans for your kukurea how, that interchanging that we can do and, and not inhibit the quality of that squad and how they play as a unit. And that's going to be the next building block for me anyway. And here's the other reason, right? Look down the squad list and players that either are current internationals or are you're probably going to get call-ups now after what's just happened. Um, it's a lot of those players. Uh, Kukurea is going to be in the Spain squad. Trossard is in the Belgian squad. Uh, Webster should get an England call up, but it might be too soon. Mwepu international. McAllister has just been announced as a part of the Argentina squad. Um, Basuma, we know is an international. Sanchez is an international. Moda's injured, but is an international. Caicedo is an international. You need depth for players that are going to be playing in tons of international competitions too. That's a good problem. Yep. 
Uh, man of the match today. I'm really curious about this one. Uh, so who we got? I'll go first. Pascal yeah. Gross for me. Um, has to be. Uh, goal and assist uh, on what many thought a week ago was possibly his last ever game for the Albion. Um, and he has U-turned from his pretty uh, sad statement a week and a half ago about missing home um, and wanting to go home uh, to promptly signing uh, a new one-year deal, um, bagging a goal and an assist um, and playing a vital role uh, in a team that three or four months ago looked like had moved on and he hadn't kept up. Uh, I mean, what more can you say? What an unbelievable end to a season for him. Um, and he had just about every stat to back it for me. So Pascal Gross uh, is my man of the match for week 38. I'm probably going to take Welbeck out of your mouth, Adam, but I think I think it's going to be Welbeck for me as well. Uh, well, yeah, so just being able to to link other players together, getting his just as desserts today. Again, we, we talk about Welbeck and missing the easy chances and scoring the hard ones. Um, great header right at the end. Should have had another headed goal. Um, but his link-up play and being able to bring the other, the other players into that game and, and make it work as a unit, uh, I think he's been outstanding for the last few games, but he deserves it for me here. You know I'm Welbeck super fan, and we'll take any excuse to post the Wele picture uh, <laughs> on social media. Uh, Did I'm you gonna... make it? No, Did you? Are you that. the mastermind? <laughs> no, no, believe me, that's never, never the reason. Um, this is a stupid cop out answer, but the man of the match for me is Graham Potter for for the changes that were made. And what happened in the second half? We talked about the fact that this was a team performance that that meant that we we came out with this win. Graham Potter now has enough of a body of work to look at for you to go. He is able to get the best and better out of a set of players. Um, this team has, in many ways, when they were signed for this club, had had aspirations. But nobody, I don't think, would have looked at the squad that we had before this season and said, this team is a top, let's say, we'll say top nine team in the Premier League. Uh, I think you could have got away with maybe saying, maybe we can go top 12 or 13 if we if we have a good run. Uh, that's Potter. That's Graham Potter. Um, massive. Yeah. Um, this entire Premier League season was, was very much a case of fine margins, and I'm sure we're going about to talk about the carnage that went on just about everywhere else, including us. Uh, because we were very much a part of that, right? 1-0 down, 13th place, 3-1 win, 9th place, uh, moving everybody around and costing people a lot of money. Um, you love to see it, including Palace. Uh, but just just some perspective here of just how close everything is in this division, especially in the middle group. Uh, instead of that six defeats in a row, I'm not asking for the world here. Just one win and two draws and three losses puts us in Europe today. That's it. That's how close it is. Um, you know, it's hard not to not to think about that as we go into the summer and think we were this close. Uh, a lot of teams regress after getting that high up the table. Um, again, keep our best players. Uh, Southampton are the worst for that. They get great run, brilliant run, sell their three best players, finish in 16th. Slowly build up their best players get an eighth place finish, sell their best two players, finish in 14th. Albion need to avoid 
that yo-yo. Uh, this is very much a different type of yo-yo, but it's a yo-yo nonetheless. Uh, and Southampton are pros at it. And this this summer is going to be really important for for the Albion to buck that trend and not join that group of, group of teams that do do that. <laughs> Absolutely. And we talked about that before with a lot of the contract renewals. And that's why we had such that great news that, I mean, I don't think we were completely aware of, uh, of, of those one year options that we had to an extent we do have them. That makes a big difference with helping and explains, by the way, because this club is never short sighted with transfer policy and those types of things that we have so many 2023 contract expirations and 2022s that they had something in their back pocket. And that was what that was. Um, I just, I know momentum is an overused term, but I still cannot get over how well we did with the games that we had available to us from sort of April onwards. Because if you remember back at right at the start of April, we had that nil-nil draw with Norwich. We'd not won a game since the Watford game in December. And I think we were all just looking at one another and just saying, God, relegation we need to be wary of that bottom bottom three battle. Probably not going to happen, but it's certainly, uh, we weren't talking about ninth place. And I just, some of the results, I, I know, uh, Arsenal, Spurs wins, smashing Wolves, smashing Man U, essentially smashing West Ham. Like that's just, that momentum, if you're one of the players in, in this dressing room after this game, I, you've got to think, you, how, how much better can you feel you don't want to leave this group of players. You don't want to leave this team. You don't want to leave this project. So, yes, we are gonna we are gonna probably lose a couple of important players. But I think the difference here as well is if the rumours for Sanchez and the rumours for Kukurea are true. Don't you think Tony Bloom, his mouth is just watering? You've just you've just got a top ten finish with your team. You've got those couple of players contracted for a long time. So if someone wants to buy them, you are making a lot of money. That thirty million being thrown about from Kukurea, Tony Plume laughing in the face of those rumors. Get out of it! If you want Kukurea, you can stump up big money. Yeah, I, it's a good problem to have, and you, you, you'd be remiss to say that we also made what close to sixty-three million pounds with the Ben White and Dan Burn deal, and, and we still finished ninth. You know that, and going back to to Josh's thing on on the sort of the the Premier League yo-yo, if you will, that, that Southampton are, are pretty um, unfortunate. Uh, should we say um, that that's that's where we're making the moves, right? Is that if we if we think Basuma's off, uh, and you know, a, like forty five minutes to forget for sure, but um, one of our standout players across the last couple of seasons. You start selling those players for a lot of money. We start talking about the attraction of a top 10 Premier League team, which we can now officially call ourselves, which again is mind-blowing to me. Um, but but also, you know, we're, we're looking at those players coming in with your Endavs and your Matomas and your Koslowskis that is going to be there maybe too soon for him. But you're looking at those players and you're saying, okay, let's stick to the philosophy philosophy sorry uh, of, of building those players up like Modo McAllister and, and making them into top tier players and then when it is right for them to go then so be it but we've just made it a lot more difficult for them to leave by coming ninth and um, if we finish in 13th 14th or we're sort of over the shoulder looking at relegation those guys are going to say right do I take the move now because I'm not seeing any progression and um, it's now official the progression is there and we have a clear mindset and philosophy is a very well-run club so it's much more difficult for those players to leave unless it's for money, in which case we know our wage budget is down. 
Yep. Um, a lot of people in the chat talking about uh, Alzate and Lalana. Uh, promise that will be discussed next week heavily. Uh, we're not done here. We have more stuff to talk about today, uh, but probably not going to get onto stuff like Lalana and Alzate's future at the club this week. Um, Josh, we've got to give the people what they want. We're going to do three hours right now of transfer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, let's talk about the the league itself. And, and obviously, the the last... The last day was pretty mental. Uh, lots of changes uh, as we went on, not just in our position, but all over the division. Um, Manchester City deserved title winners. I don't think anyone can can disagree with that. Uh, and Burnley are the third team to uh, succumb to the drop. Um, about four seasons overdue. Frankly, uh, they've shown absolutely no progression or kind of ambition uh, since that one European season where they seem to cash out and, and bail. Um, they could be in a lot of trouble, uh, Burnley. Um, they took a £65 million loan uh, to purchase the club by the new owners, uh, and it's now due to be paid back in full as a result of that relegation. Uh, they've also already borrowed against future TV money, which now doesn't exist. Um, firstly, I hate Burnley. Secondly, I feel bad for them regardless because that should never have been allowed to go through. Should it that kind of ownership change is just atrocious? <clears throat> uh, was it like an American consortium as well? Wasn't it one of the classics uh, business decision? The Glazer model. Yeah, just horrible stuff. Uh, it's funny because yeah, I, I mean, Leeds would have been funnier to go down, wouldn't it? Um, obviously, Everton would have been peak. Uh, and, you know, I really enjoyed the trophy presentation they had uh, when they won the other day. Everyone was on the pitch. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, and then what did they do? At least 5 1 today or 6 1. I can't remember what it was. So ridiculous. Um, yeah, 5 1, I think. Nothing, it was. nothing more to do was there. Um, Frank Lampard, now greatest Everton manager of all time. Um, so, yeah, Burnley guy down is interesting. I'm more interested from a vulture standpoint of who we can try and grab from them. Uh, I have a fear for fans of their club as to how they get back in. I think there's even a, a message that's just come into chat as I'm saying it, saying this as well. Outside of the financial stuff, but more just they've outstayed their welcome in the Premier League. It's not like one of these storied clubs where you think there's a way, there's a path back in for them. I remember when Newcastle went down a couple of years back, you just thought, well, they'll come straight back up or Fulham go down. You're like, oh, well, they'll get the investment. You look at Burnley and you think could probably do a Sunderland in many ways uh, for a little while. So, yeah, tough for them. Yeah, it's not looking bright. I know they've they've got some release fees on Cornet and and other players, I'm sure as well. So, uh, probably not making as much money on maybe they would have thought um, if you're going to let those guys go for a release clause that you put in the contract. So, quite bad. Um, like you say, I think they, they kind of outstayed their welcome, but they they were there on merit the last four seasons and, and you know, rightfully in the Premier League. But yeah, it's uh, one season too long. Um, it's going to be a big struggle for them, um, all things considered. So um, I, like Adam said, Everton would have been amazing. Leeds would have been really good, um, but Burnley's still good for me. 
Yeah. Uh, Venkos, Corne both have huge deals, uh, so they'll have to be relying on those those release fees for sure. Uh, I don't see Burnley letting them go otherwise, um, so they will have to pay up. Dwight McNeil, their other shining star, is in contract mm. until 2025. Um, in terms of those players that are contract, uh, very much proven goal scorer in the championship, Vidra, out of contract. Uh, other than that, just a lot of old chaff, really. Stevens, Rodriguez, Bardsley, Peters, not really much to worry about. Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, captain and hero James Tarkovsky uh, is out of contract this summer. Um, nightmare scenario for those fans about to lose their absolute rock of what's the What's the, uh, the, the, um, the Pope situation? No idea uh, in terms of whether he has a release fee or anything like that, similar to Wood, uh, but he's, he's in contract for at least another year. I could uh, see him. I could see him moving. They have to let white smoke off of Turf Moor when they replace Pope. It's <laughs> <laughs> really bad. I am a dad, to be fair. I can say those jokes. Um, the, who's the uh, well? Corne Veghorst. I know people are already going to be talking about Veghorst, but as you say, there's not a lot of exactly like massive talent where you go. I'd love to bring some of those players in. Watford have probably got more exciting talent that would at least supplement if we lose a couple of players. The only exception would be if you somehow lose Sanchez and you start looking you start looking at a Pope because you know he's a decent keeper. But I think Pope goes to Leicester now. I think you've seen that rumour out there that Leicester are interested in Sanchez. I, d- I don't think that happens, frankly. Um, but they are going to need a replacement sooner than later for, for Casper. And I think Pope is the most obvious choice you could get. Um, yeah, he'll be attainable. He's one of your heights now. He's then a homegrown player, uh, yeah. and he just seems like a Leicester goalie, doesn't he? I don't know it why. Does. Like it, it just does. feels like such a logical signing. People in the chat and for all this time been clamoring for a, a, a number nine for Brighton. Ashley Barnes potentially redemption tour. <laughs> does he come back? <laughs> he almost did it, didn't he? He almost kept him up with that. He's so so close. Not not quite enough. Um, Nick in the chat. Uh, will any of the relegated three bounce straight back? Norwich and Watford were two of the worst teams in recent years to play in the league. Um, you know, it's a pretty good question, Nick. It's the first time in a while I've looked at that bottom three and think, no. Um, I'm sure at least one will make the playoffs. Uh, but I'm going to go out there and say I don't think any of those three names will be in the top two come the end of the season next year. I th- weirdly, it's Norwich more than anything. Yeah, I, I agree. To be up there. Um, I agree. You know, Dean Smith there with the right tools. I mean, he yep. he knows how the championship works. So, if anything, I would see Watford and Burnley really go, I guess, further down the table um, than than maybe Norwich, which is such a strange one to say because they they've been the basement dwellers of the the league for the entire season. But as you say, I, I, D- Dean Smith now he's capable of doing this. Uh, if they keep hold of Pookie, we know he can score goals at pretty much at all levels at this point, right? He's proven that. Uh, yeah. I, I, can we just laugh a little bit about Hodgson and what the number he's done on Watford? Uh, he's not stupid. He looked at their, the way that they do things and he thought, I could earn a bit of money here before <laughs> I fully call this a day and I don't need to really care. But I, I think his most famous thing 
from his whole tenure now at Watford was he played a really nice pass in training and it went around one week. It was this amazing ball that he played and he looked like he was 20 years old. To me, that's the only memory that I will really have from Hodgson's time at, at Watford. And uh, <laughs> you've got to imagine, he can't be well-liked there, really. You uh, Well, he wasn't well-liked before, was he? The owners already sacked him from Udinese after a huge blow-up. <laughs> so the fact that they went back to him expecting him to give a shit is just a stat. It's Pete Watford, isn't it, really? It's peak it really Watford is. ownership. Great uh, revenge from him. You fired me. Oh, I'll come back. I'll pretend I'm going to help you. Watch this. And then on the day he gets them relegated, he proceeds to do a lap of honour <laughs> on Stellas Park. That's my lasting memory of Roy Hodgson at Watford. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lap of honour honouring the Palace fans as Watford are down mathematically is just tremendous. Um, <laughs> if anyone yeah, asks I, you what age you need to be to not give a fuck anymore, that was that's the age. How old Roy Hodgson is because he just did that. He doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, Pookie, I think I think we'll stay with Norwich, and as long as he's there, like you say, I think it's always to say he's the Mitrovic. He's the same the same kind of thing, right? As long as they're there, um, they're always going to have a great chance. He's thirty two now. Um, how many clubs are going to be clamouring for Timu Pookie that can't pay more than Norwich? I don't think many. There's not going to be many in the Premier League, not especially, especially a starting striker as well. I think yep. no one no one's going to have him in starting. I have a question for you both, um, and I don't expect you to have a, a super in-depth answer because I'm throwing this at you. Uh, this year, though, seen an incredible uh, uptick in pitch invasions resulting in violence on the turf. What's going on there? Is it is it a case of allowing this to go on for so long that these idiots are starting to get out of hand? Or is it a case of something different in the culture? Or what? Um Clearly, the clubs and, and the division need to crack down on these pitch invasions heavily compared to what they have been in the past. These are not fun anymore. Um, almost every single one is is basically ending in some kind of assault. Um, not sure if you saw the Billy Sharp one. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I'm surprised he's alive. I, I thought uh, he would, was died uh, on the opening game at Falmer um, back all those years ago. I'm, I'm sure he was killed in action. Uh, but he was miraculously alive. Uh, and and was frankly lucky to be. Um, I've I've seen videos on the internet where someone hit like that with a head, but don't end up so well. Um, the guy's gone to prison for nearly two years, which is you know for the first time in memory that the, the English justice system has actually done something sort of that feels like the right kind of punishment. Um, that's a bit of a tangent, but and as a quick reminder, because this is a more morbid discussion. We did just finish ninth in the Premier League. Brian and I have just finished ninth. Let's, let's be happy about that. But yes, the pitch invasion stuff is weird. Uh, Billy Sharp, you had the Everton stuff, the scenes there. Uh, you had the, the the invasion at City. That would honestly look scary. De Bruyne had a, his own little personal bodyguard. I, I don't think the squad players necessarily got one of those. But it's just not... It, it's hard to say if it should be allowed because... You can't not allow it because the next step is is prevention beyond stewards because stewards can create essentially a human wall. Well, then what do you do outside of that? You sort of need a literal wall. Um, and then you've got fences up and, and it looks like, you know, San Siro. Uh, that would be a shame. But it's only a matter of time before, especially if you're in a heated derby and the stakes are high, and it's a player that's riled up the fans. It's the away team that you really worry about. At certain points, something 
potentially bad is going to happen. It's not good enough. Yeah, it needs to be cracked down. I think it's doing it for the sake of an invasion as opposed to an emotional response. I think it's just become... Um, I don't I don't know what the right word is, but it, it tends to be the thing now um, for doing it for whatever reason um, and doing it for invasion's sake more than anything. Um, it will result in more drastic measures being taken and nobody wants to see that. Um, so yeah, it, it does need to be stopped. Harsher punishments need to be given out to the clubs as well as um, you know those involved and justice will serve rightly so. Um, but yeah, I don't enjoy seeing it, especially for, for the reasons that we've seen it in the last few games as well. Um, it's not warranted and there's a player safety element there as well, which is obvious. If you want a philosophical hot take and to actually answer your question, um, because I, I certainly definitely didn't when you first asked it, is I think it's a combination of there's a massive lack of respect for authority at the moment uh, and people don't care. They think, what's the worst that's really going to happen if I just run onto the pitch? Nothing. Um, and people just want content. People want to be a part of content. They want to be able to video it and, and post it somewhere. And I sound like an old man talking like that, but I think it's a combination of those two things. Josh, question back at you. What do you why do you think it is? Uh, I th- I, I, similarly, the same, the same way, I think. Um, I think that the it's good for views. Um, and I think a lot of these people that are going on the pitch and doing dumb shit uh, are also probably uh not in the right frame of mind um whether they're whether they're drinking or or inhaling things through their noses um i suspect they're not um a hundred percent on the uh on on the wagon um and as we continue to spiral into this misery of life that that presents us in our day-to-day of uh, inflation and sadness and all around us. Reminded, we did just finish ninth. If you're, just listening, if you're listening, uh, it's kind of inevitable, right? You're going to see uh, people, especially the working class, which dominates the the football audience, uh, go down one rabbit hole or another. And this is the byproduct of it. Um, it's my thoughts on it. We're getting dangerously. Into I was going to say our next guest is Noam Chomsky for his opinion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're yeah we're getting we're getting close to the to the political s- uh, sphere here. So let's move on. Um, the fan advisory board <laughs> was, nom- was nominated uh, this week. Um, interestingly, uh, and I've received a lot of uh, nasty comments about being displeased about it. Uh, not a single member of the fan advisory board is under forty five years old. Uh, from what I can gather from their profiles. Um, there were a few uh, representatives who were up for vote and did not win. Um, bit disheartening, isn't it, for the youth, uh, considering they are such a integral part of uh, the North Stand and away days um, to not have a single say in, in those fan advisory boards and representatives, is it not? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's a it's a bit of a miss by the club to to not have someone in that position. Uh, yeah, very similar to your thoughts. I thought you were putting it very succinctly that I think that that younger representation uh, and a different demographic um, should at least be be involved in those conversations. So um, there's not much more for me to add on that. Yeah, agree. I, I mean, again, from your uh, 
top 10 finishing Brian and Hove Albion, I think it's uh, it's a little bit disappointing. Uh, <laughs> to, to, to create a setup that almost feels like it cements the same potential problems that existed for the reason to create such a thing it, it is is you know slightly bizarre situation that you've you've put together but yeah maybe hopefully there's enough well there won't be any outrage now because we're all too happy about the finish of in the table but if there is enough feedback given to the club over the coming months perhaps they will make a reconsideration and put someone on there that is um maybe slightly more youthful yeah, I, I look forward to two years from now uh, is the next term for the elections. Um, I look forward to them uh, allowing for an overseas member um, so everybody can welcome in the Together BHA overlords um, <laughs> into the into the Don't vote basically. for us. <laughs> Don't want that. <laughs> um, let's finish on a really high note. Um, so next week, uh, we will be discussing all things postseason review. Um, so we'll be talking about our favorite memorable matches. We'll be talking about transfers in. We'll be talking about transfers out. We'll be talking about all the players there are. We'll be talking about all the stats that you want to hear about in terms of season-wide information. Um, and we will be spending a lot of time talking about what next season looks like from a position of strength, uh, which is something that I have not been able to say on this podcast for the four years I've been running it. Uh, and now we as a collective are able to say we are from a position of major strength this summer, able to look at what we can and cannot do in the market. Uh, first up, Mr. Bisuma, sign the dotted line, please, because that would be one hell of a statement if he actually did. Yeah, completely. There's not much more, really. I think that would... That would set the tone of, of where where we want to be. So if if we got that straight from the outset, I think we, we build from there. But that would be that would be key. Um, if he's going to go, I'd rather it be earlier rather than later, um, just so that we can get our ducks in a row. Um, but a statement of intent, absolutely. If he does sign, it would be wonderful. But um, I've made the mistake of making this claim before when we were without him for the Afcon, but. We subbed Eve Basima off today and we won 3 1. So <laughs> that doesn't happen all the time because we know how fantastic a player he is. He's in, an incredible player. But I guess what I'm saying on the flip side is if Basuma does leave, because I do think he leaves, I, I don't, whether that's right or wrong is irrelevant, but I, I do think he leaves. Uh, th- it's not, we've now created the club, the players, the manager have created a situation where. It's all good news, really, at the moment. It would be a shame if he leaves. But I think there's confidence now where you go, we can probably do all right without him. We can bring someone in. He might not be the same as Basuma, but we've got replacements. Casado, in our minds, really didn't really properly exist until he came back to the club from his horrible loan stint. I think I, what a difference just half a season makes where there was this guy that we'd signed. He'd never played for the club. He was over in the basement of the Belgian First League. And now he's been talking about us. Oh, Basuma can leave because we've got Moises Casado now. He's great. These things happen so so quickly. So it's it's all good times from this point onwards for this summer. We can enjoy this summer rather than we finish thirteenth and we're talking about. Oh my God, is Basuma's going to go? We still need a striker. Sanso can't do this. We need fifteen players. There's none of that, and that's great. Yep, 
Only Alzate, Connolly, Steele, Sarmiento, Taylor Richards, Ferguson, and Lucardia made less minutes uh, than Caicedo. And we are sitting here comfortably asserting that they'll be fine. We'll be fine with him. Um, that really just goes to summarize just how quick these things can change. Um, insane. Uh, what's an acceptable price for Bissouma with only a year's contract remaining? 30 million. Um, I'll probably add a five, if not an extra 10 onto that. Um, I think we're going to be looking at 35 to 40 million for him personally with no basis of knowledge. What currency are you talking about here? Because I'm going the other way. Uh, Just 20? I think he's, I think he goes for around 20 because of the length of the contract. And if he comes in and says, I want to go, I don't think we get anywhere north of 20. Interesting. Craig? I think it's in the middle for me. It's just such a cop out thing that to say. That is a big cop out, yeah. Like, yeah. So you, you think any sort of overseas team is going, fine, we'll wait six months and sign them on a pre contract then. Um, you know, there's there's that guilt edge of if a Premier League team wants him, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to pay up. And but for for your massive European teams that are maybe looking at looking at him, they they might hold out and see. Um, and that interrupts those negotiations a little bit and um, knowing that there's a little bit of weight in waiting um, to say. So, yeah, I think 20 to 25 is where I'd lean. Yep. I think that's fair. That's your one piece of contract and transfer conversation <laughs> this week, Pierre. Uh, you snuck that in right at the end there, you cheeky little rat. Um, but, <laughs> all right. Uh, we are, we are going to wrap here. Um, so, Join us next week. It will not be on the weekend uh, because Adam has a lovely wedding to attend. Uh, but sometime in the future, within the next 10 to 14 days, we will be recording a postseason uh, review um, with everything you want to hear on it, uh, especially as, as it pertains to all of the stuff that's been asked in the chat about players and their futures. Um, so that will be happening uh we don't know when because there's not a deadline like every other week with uh, with games being played. So, but we- let us know. Let us know what you want, who you want us to talk about, and what topics you want us to cover outside of the obvious ones. Because, yeah, we could, as you say, we can do that now, which is nice. Yep. All right, fellas, uh, have a wonderful week, everybody. Uh, the first week without a Brighton game in the near future for a long time. Uh, I feel like this is the first summer we've had footballers in a long time. Um, but we do have a couple of playoff finals to cover as well. So uh, make sure if you're in the States to get ESPN Plus so you can watch your, your League Two and your championship playoff finals uh, and back home, Sky, um, and have a wonderful rest of your week. Awesome. Cheers all. Ninth place, Brighton. Ninth. <laughs>